fantastic day we're just quickly uh doing our saturday morning stream sorry i'm late let's see if hassan is in yet no he's not in yet rip hassan what are what are we gonna what are we gonna bully hassan about being late for that guy uh yeah so this morning <clears throat> i lost track of time and i thought it was like near eight o'clock but Really, it's not even near 8 o'clock. It is. There is Hassan. There is Hassan. Late as always. Perfect. Perfectly late. Late. What do you have to say you, for yourself? You're one to talk, bro. I was waiting all this time for you to, to send me the link. You know, I, I have a good excuse. I have a good excuse. So <clears throat> this morning, I usually wake up on Saturday mornings at like 7 so I woke up this morning and I assumed it was seven and I didn't check any of like my devices or anything like that. So I was under the impression that it was seven o'clock. So I do my morning uh, routine and stuff and I get finished up and I'm like, okay, it's time for my Saturday morning stream. And I go and I look and it's like eight fifty rather than seven fifty, And yeah, yeah, that that's why I'm late. So I got an extra hour of sleep though. So I should be, I should be uh, Astro joined. How's it going, Astro? Hey, what's up, guys? Nothing much. Nothing oh, much. <laughs> if you guys don't know Astro, Astro is the guy in the chat always debunking um, the anti-simplicity guys. So. So what is this? Guten Guten Mittag. Guten Good midday. Good midday. Guten Yo, do you know it's kind of embarrassing. You know, like oh, I'm German. <laughs> what is Guten Mittag? Come on, bro. So yeah, my my family um, moved over to America in the 1730s and lived in the same like area since uh, until my grandfather who moved away after he joined the air force so yeah i have uh i pure line of german descent from the beginning to there so i i am german um and hassan always denies that i'm german i don't deny that you're german saluete gentlemen saluete saluete What's wrong with that, Hassan? What does that mean? 
Salute. Yeah. Oh, you think I meant? It means you think I meant salvete? Okay. Salvete. Yeah. Salvete. Salvete omnes. Salvetes omnes amici. That'd be. What, what, what would the what would the um. It would be. Yeah, it would be amici. Hello, all my friends, all friends. German, Latin, and Greek are the only languages in which philosophy should be done. Uh, you, this you, is so you fake. Listen, you listed too too many. Yeah. Arabic yeah. is a good language. For yeah, yeah. And Persian as well. Yeah. So how was my birthday? My birthday was pretty good. Um, I was able to get some good work done. Oh, I had classes. Though. I had like four hours of classes um, from like during the afternoon, which kind of sucked. But uh, I did get to go out to dinner. Um, the dinner wasn't too good, but my in-laws watched my kids uh, for me. So Lexi and I were able to have dinner alone for the first time uh, probably since Augustine was like one. So it was a while. Don't use, don't use classical Latin, please. Use ecclesiastical pronunciation. No, I don't think I will. Okay, let's go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm about to defeat you in public. You're about to defeat me in public. Why? Why are you about to defeat me in public? Because it's necessary. What are you gonna do? I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to read out the part of the Ordinationes. Uh, ad Constitutionem Apostolicam Veterum Sapientia Rita Exequendum. Oh, no. It's over for you. Do you read it in Latin? I'm going to read it in English. Lame. Oh, and, and the great part of my birthday is that my wife got me a new crucifix for my birthday, so... Congratulations. It's pretty, it's pretty nice. It's right next to my camera, right there. I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it yet? Can you show it? Yeah, I guess I could. Okay. So, there it is. Yo! Wow, that's, that's, really, that's really beautiful. Nice. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely beautiful. Yep, wow. yep. It, it was like, um, I never thought I was going to get it because it was like, Three hundred dollars. So I, I was like, eh, I don't, I don't That's know if I'm ever gonna get this. One could get. And then my, my mother and my yeah. wife decided to go in on it for my birthday, and I was like, okay, this is kind of based. Let me get it on my nail. Gold shulk, yeah. it's over for you. You've seen that now, and now you have a mental image of it in your mind, and now your own mind is. Uh... Your own mind is a uh, graven image that you have to destroy. True, true, because... Because you imagined it. As the Westminster <laughs> Catechism teaches us, uh, your your brain is now an idol. Congratulations. 
Yeah, because technically there's some sort of similitude now in, in your in your intellect. No, no, Tarantin says I can imagine them. No, no. No, Tarantin <laughs> says no, no. Be, bro, reform reform bros be like, okay, I don't want to I don't want to follow the confessions anymore. I don't want to follow the confessions. Yes, we're right, he says the three he says three FUs greater than Westminster standards. Um I like the Westminster standards better. Really, the three forms of unity? Come on now, bro. That was three forms of unity. Uh, for those who don't know, the three forms of unity is the Belgic Confession, the Canons of Dort, and the um, and the Heidelberg Catechism. But the first two, well, yeah, the first two, which are going to be the Heidelberg Catechism and the Belgic Confession, um, they were they were written in like a very early time in the Reformation. Uh, it was like early scholasticism in the Reformation where the uh, Westminster standards were written in the 16, what, 1640s. So the Westminster standards were written at a much more developed time in uh, reformed theology. And then the, the canons of Dort were written in the 1610s, I want to say. So the Westminster standards come at a much later time in reformed scholasticism when things were a lot better um thought through so they're a lot more consistent but they're a lot more consistent they uh, provide more detailed uh, distinctions they're not as devotionally uh centered as something like the heidelberg catechism so uh they're just objectively like when it comes to the form a better uh, set of confessional standards yeah yeah uh so uh, Westminster was rather fundamentalist, in my opinion. Most were separatist. Yeah, that that is true. Uh, but but there were some like moderate uh, nonconformists at Westminster, and I mean they were basing a lot of their stuff on um, the so-called Archbishop James Usher in in his work. So they they were like broad broadly reformed quote Catholic. So. They're they're not exactly like um, uh, what's his name? Who's the guy that Richard Hooker fought? Uh, Cartwright. They're not exactly like Cartwright Puritanism. Oh, you're. Oh wow! You sent them out of order, Hassan. How embarrassing! No, I didn't. Now, why is there a quotation mark at the end of this? Why are you beginning in the beginning of a sentence? Where? Where? In in your in your things down here. I'm not going to read it. It's not out of order. It's uh, that's like one part of the thing, and then there's a previous part as well. Oh, I think you misunderstood me. I mean, uh, I mean, consistent in the fact that uh, they were written by the same body, so. Um, they're like interreferential. That's what I meant by that. And they're like, there's a consistency of form uh, present. So did you guys touch on the Sneeko thing? No, nor will we. No. It's, <laughs> we watched the video and it's pretty uh, embarrassing. Oh, so I was literally just answering this. Big Wags, what countries are your ancestors from before America? <laughs> Big wags. Big wags. 1690. Who was 1690? Let's see. He'd been 
Al-Fagniri. Fagniri. Weird name. Fagner. Yeah, I timed that. The, the big blue Luke out. Stop worshipping Mary. No, yeah. I don't think I will. Okay, let's see what questions you guys have. We got guys, one serious question so far. You stupid Mary worshiper. Cry. Okay. Yeah, cry. Cry. Is he trolling or he's serious? He's uh, he's, uh, he's trolling. Big Blue Luke. He has Martin Perez's so. PFP. I mean, he's he's probably both, to be honest. Yeah. So the one guy asking about, okay, so namely last week, I'm um, assuming there's a message before that. Okay, so namely last week, Christian, you said that the seeds uh, in things allow matter to be altered in different forms. Uh, but Ad Secundum says, therefore, the natural agent not only produces its like according to quality, but according to species. Does that mean it's impossible for animals to uh, evolve? So let's check out what the second objection says. So 45. What article is it? Can't remember. Oh, article 8. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen. So further, the effect is not more powerful than the cause, but in natural things, the only agent is the accidental form, whether it is active or passive form. Therefore, the substantial form is not produced by the operation of nature, and therefore it must be produced by creation. Response. The active qualities in nature act by virtue of substantial forms, and therefore the natural agent not only produces its like according to quality, but according to species. Hassan, what do you, what do you think about this? I haven't uh, looked into this as much as you have. My brain switched off. Sorry. Uh, okay. I'll read it again. So the question is whether creation is mingled with works of nature and art. And objection two says, further, the effect is not more powerful than its cause. But in natural things, the only agent is the accidental form, whether it is active or a passive form. Therefore, the substantial form is not produced by the operation of nature. Therefore, it must be produced by creation. And then the response to the second, the active qualities in nature act by virtue of substantial forms. And therefore, the natural agent not only produces its like according to quality, but according to species. Uh. We've this been, is about so when it's talking about like uh active qualities in nature act by virtue of substantial forms therefore the natural agent not only produces its like according to quality but according to species uh this doesn't this like doesn't mean that like other specific kinds are not contained uh like virtually within previous ones uh what it means is that like it, pr it can only produce a species uh, like itself so it doesn't mean that the qualities are like necessarily identical it means that it produces its like and this is what he talks about elsewhere when he talks about for example when um, uh, the male seed power can fail to produce one exactly like itself but still like itself when it produces a female do you remember going over that yeah yeah, yeah. that's why 
That's emails the same or misbegotten principle. males. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think he clarifies exactly. in the reply to objection three. Yeah. Um, because there's there's multiple ways in which an agent I'm trying to remember where St. Thomas like goes into this in a lot of detail. I think when he's talking about uh, God's creation of uh, creatures is yeah. that there's multiple ways in which an agent um, can share its likeness with a certain thing it produces. Uh, for us, it's something which is um, specific, but you can also have uh, either generic or analogical agents. So, um, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I've kind of spoke off the cuff last week when I was uh, talking about that. So, evolution stuff is, uh, as I said, my least interested uh, point. Okay, so question Is the only version of Tobit slash Tobias in the Vulgate inspired or other versions too? So, um, we have to be careful with this because the Vulgate uh, is authentic. And what that means is that there's a certain substantial conformity of the Vulgate text on matters of faith and morals with the original. So certain matters of one, certain matters of history uh, or natural sciences or whatever could be wrong uh, in the Vulgate. And we might be able to seek better translations. And then two, there might be what's called a modal difference. Uh, and a modal difference just means like a difference in specificity. So the Vulgate might be more or less clear than the uh, original text uh, when it comes to inspiration. So the Vulgate isn't inspired, but due to its um, derivation from something that is inspired and due to the judgment of the church, the church has found it to be authentic. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the that's the interpretation that the uh, Council of Trent, um, if you look through all of the acta, that's the interpretation they themselves give. Uh, so theologians like uh, Kano were just wrong uh, when they felt that authentic meant that it somehow had like a complete uniformity with the original text. So you can, uh, for example, um, this is why the church is able to like edit the Vulgate um, if they find certain uh, errors in it. If, if the church thought that the Vulgate was somehow infallible, the church would have just said like, okay. We have the Vulgate now. Really, it's just a text-critical matter, but the church actually will um, edit the Vulgate on the basis of the original text. Okay, I wish uh, Rambam and Thomas would have had a debate in some parallel universe. What, who's Rambam? What do you mean by Rambam? Is this some like... He's talking uh, about Rabbi Maimonides. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, yeah, okay. They didn't have to. St. Thomas refuses him. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay, so best best followers of Thomas. Um, John of St. Thomas. <laughs> no. Who, who do you, who do you, <laughs> Bro. John, John of St. Thomas. What? You guys don't think John of St. Thomas? No, no. I was just making fun of Astro. I think that's... Yeah. The, no, I think, yeah, yeah. I think John of St. Thomas is his most faithful follower. Yeah, because I, I feel like um, with a lot of the other uh, commentators that I'll read, what they're doing is something, uh, and I've, I've tried to explain this to a lot of people, but usually people kind of gloss over once I start talking about it. 
But I think what's important is to uh, the most faithful followers of Thomas do what Thomas did. Um, they don't only like, uh, how, how do I explain this? They don't only treat commenting on Thomas as a uh, an exercise in hermeneutics. They they treat it as theologizing in itself. Um, so so what what they'll do is rather than um, being stuck to the certain material elements that Saint Thomas passed down, they imbibe the the spirit in the in the form of Saint Thomas. <clears throat> So, like an, an example of somebody like this would be like Saint Denis the Carthusian. Um, while Saint Denis the Carthusian wasn't exactly the most faithful Thomist, he was uh, more of an eclectic than anything. Uh, he did write works like Saint Thomas would have wrote, and um, and it was able to highlight certain elements that were only virtually contained in uh, Saint Thomas's thought. So, yeah, that that's why I think John of Saint Thomas is good uh, because he he does what I think St. Thomas would have done uh, during that time. Quit worshiping Mary now. Rip. Is he still here? No, this is a different guy. I'm clueless. Rip. Maybe it's oh, the same guy. Oh, oh the, the, um, the guy who... Um... The, the guy who we were talking about earlier uh, has a bunch of uh, people that come on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Somebody asked, serious question, uh, where does New Aquinas Academy Copen's introduction, Hassan's reading plan on paper stuff fit in? So this is Copen's introduction. Uh, I have the link in uh, below. He was a Jesuit in the late 19th century who wrote basically a series of scholastic manuals for like high school level students and like early university level students. Uh, so it is uh, very um, approachable uh, for those who don't have a background in these things. So I decided to take all of them and put them into just one volume uh, for ease of use. Uh, so the link is below if you want to pick that up. It's really good read if you haven't really gotten into things. But yeah, New Aquinas Academy, that's uh, meant more so for learning how to read scholastic theology um, as like a, as a practice. And then with Hassan's reading plan, uh, I don't know what Hassan's reading plan is, uh, is all about. It, it's just the, uh, it's, it's just the, basics. It's just basic stuff for people who are like, uh, not stupid, but don't really, but haven't really done anything like systematic reading at all yet it's just introductory stuff it's like a very it's it's mostly like just a just a guide to week by week reading of fine gold's book on fundamental theology it's pretty much all it is uh, okay yeah there's yeah. a section there's a section in here on uh revelation but it's pretty short but yeah i think a i think a like uh a supplement on fundamental theology would be pretty cool so yeah Okay, do I believe in trans elementation? I don't know what trans elementation means. So, what people really just coming up with terms now? What is that profile picture, bro? Maybe he just meant transubstantiation. Trans elementation. Okay, askdifference.com. Trans elementation versus transubstantiation. 
Okay, so trans. Okay, it's not telling me what trans elementation is. Dang. Okay. Let's look. I think it does Webster. say that. Hold on. Okay, so Webster says that they're just um, the same thing. But if you mean transubstantiation, obviously. I've never seen this term before, anyway. I mean, based upon... Uh, Based upon the uh, definition of element and wellner, I'm not sure if it is exactly the same. Um, Check so... the link I, pro I sent him private chat. So here's, here's a question for me. Is um, in transubstantiation, is the comp does the complement of prime matter which is converted remain the same or does it become the same prime matter as is locally in heaven well it would have to uh stay the uh, prime matter would have to change uh stay the same because otherwise there wouldn't be any sort of um it wouldn't be a change uh because a change uh is going to assume some sort of uh, uniformity um uh, between right. the termini so yeah I would so, say that prime so there's matter. a further so there's a further complement of prime matter, but the prime matter which was converted from bread and wine is now present in heaven locally rather than present locally on earth. Something hmm. something doesn't seem right there. That's a good question. Actually, I I think I think perhaps nah. Because the the prime matter would still uh, remain because uh, it would because accidents um, would still have to have um, because when we say without subject we mean without uh, substance but there would still be prime matter there um, uh, in which the accidents um, in here so perhaps uh, that's the that's the answer to your to your question. Mm -hmm. I haven't thought much about how uh, prime matter fits into to this. Because the fifth definition of element Wellner gives is the primary intrinsic causes, uh, Shilly Chet, prime matter and substantial form. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Impressive. Yeah. Very yeah. nice. Okay, so, oh, leading Thomist of the 20th century. There's what? an orange. Uh, I think he probably means, if, if you mean early 20th century, that's not too difficult. But if you mean, like, late 20th century. Uh, Austin Woodbury, true. Austin Woodbury. Did you call Catholics papists unironically when you were Protestant? Yes. And oh. Romanists. Romanists. Emmanuel Doronzo. What do you mean about Emmanuel Doronzo? Oh, yeah, Doronzo. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's another good choice. If you mean late 20th century. If you mean early 20th century, then there's a good bit. So when are we going to celebrate Catholic intimacy? Never. Yeah. 
So will I do a response video to Orthodox Christian theology video? The church fathers did not teach the filioque. Probably not. No. Christians I don't like doing response. A patrologist. Please stop trying to get Christians to do positive theology. He's not a patrologist. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Get some help. I know. I think the best the best thing I uh, anybody could do would just be to uh, if they want to refute Orthodox theology and show how embarrassing it is on the filioque. All they have to do is like translate Patavius. Uh, what is that book eight? Patavius book eight, I think, is on the procession of the spirit. Yeah, yeah, book eight. And you guys can read uh, Saint Bellarmine. He's great as well. Mm. Okay, so I just watched your video on the Immaculate Conception. I did not get the difference between the debitum remotum and the debitum proximum. Could you explain it for dummies? Yeah, so uh, when we talk about the um, remote and uh, immediate or proximate uh, anything, basically uh, what we mean is that there's a certain relation, uh, and I'm explaining this for dummies, so don't hopple me, everybody. But there's a certain relationship of like a quasi-genus to species. Um, so we're just talking about like the the sort of idea and then the manner in which it's uh, applied. So for example, uh, we can look at the, um, the matter of the sacrament of baptism. The, uh, the remote matter is water. The, um, the proximate matter is the pouring of the water. So think of it like that with the relationship between the remote and the proximate debt um, in the, uh, in the, um, the, the debt of original sin in Our Lady. So it would be like um, the remote debt would be being in the seminal ratio of, of Adam. So the fact that you uh, somehow are in his uh, seminal line um, of, of, of the first fallen man. And then the proximate debt, that which applies it, is the uh, concupiscence, which is present in everybody. So, yeah. That's uh, so that that's the manner in which it's which it's applied. Okay, so what order was the Summa Theologiae historically taught? It, it was it was taught in the order it was given. Um, there was later on a tract added at the beginning, uh, which covered basically fundamental theology in general. So it would be Introduction to Sacred Theology, which Saint Thomas Condivardi covers. Um, it would be uh, Derivazione. Um, or De Vera Religione, uh, depending on uh, what you have. And then it would be De Locis Theologicis or uh, De, um, De Fontibus Revelationis. Um, that would be the third, which talks about the basically the, the places where revelation is found and also how you will ground theses uh, of theology. And then after that, it was basically just treated like um, you would get the Summa and they would have the I think it was eventually split into 17 different tracts is that's the way in which it was done. Um, can't name all of them off the top of my head. I probably, I probably could if I really tried. Um, and then there was also a tract added usually after Christology. Um, and then before um, the sacraments on the church. So yeah, you, you'd basically get um, fundamental theology on God triune god and then on god as creator which would include angels 
man, and then you would get the discussion of, of moral theology, which would talk about the virtues, law, grace, uh, gifts of the Holy Ghost, mystical theology, stuff like that. And then you would get uh, Christology, Mariology, Ecclesiology, and uh, then sacraments in general, sacraments in particular, then eschatology. So that, that's, the, that's the order it went, um, because St. Thomas obviously eminently and superiorly ordered all of theology in the Summa. Okay, so what do you think about the title of Mary Stuttle's co-redemptrix? I know Pope Francis hasn't formally retracted the title. What do you think, Hassan? He has not retracted anything. All he said is that it shouldn't be defined. Uh, and um, it's something Pope Francis says offhand is not going to be uh, superior to the repeated fallible teaching of several sovereign pontiffs. You're going to have, um, so the first time it's going to be used in the magisterium that I know of is going to be Leo the 13th uh, in a document called um, uh, Adiutricem Populi. And in this document, he says, Our Lady, our Mediatrix, Reparatrix of the whole world, dispenser of all heavenly gifts. Then you're going to have Pius X in uh, Ad Dianillum. Um, he's going to say, uh, he's going to say, from this communion of will and suffering between Christ and Mary, she merited to become most worthily the reparatrix of the lost world and dispensatrix of all the gifts that our Savior purchased for us by his death and by his blood. Yet, since Mary carries it over in holiness and union with Christ and has been associated by Christ in the work of redemption, she merits for us de congruo, in the language of the theologians, what Christ merits for us de condigno, in a condign manner. Uh, then you're going to have um, the same sovereign pontiff in the same document saying, uh, sorry, you're going to have... Um, uh, you're going to have uh, several other sovereign pontiffs teach the same thing without saying the word. Uh, and it's going to be repeated through Benedict XV, Pius XI, and Pius XII. So you've got these, um, all of these Roman pontiffs, and arguably, I think some have argued, actually, no, it's definite, uh, Pius IX as well. So you've got these uh Pius the ninth, Pius the tenth, Benedict the fifteenth, Leo the thirteenth, uh, Pius the eleventh, Pius the twelfth. I may have double counted. I don't know why I'm so tired. Uh, but you've got a lot of Roman pontiffs teaching the same thing over many decades. Uh, you can't really, um, you can't really say that something Pope Francis says offhand, even if it was to actually discount or teach against the title would be would be uh, correct uh you wouldn't be able to hold that because it's it's a it's of lower weight and it's only one instance um but he wasn't doing that anyway all he did was speak against it being defined true true wait a second
Okay. So, real, <laughs> we probably shouldn't have kept that profile picture up. <laughs> no. So, what's a good introductory work of John of St. Thomas? Yeah, there's there's actually uh, some of his most important works are translated into English. Um, there's a lot of, lot, a lot of stuff in Latin, uh, basically his entire course of theology and um, his entire course of philosophy. And then something like his catechism uh, is in Spanish, if you know Spanish. Um, but his Isagogy is translated, very, very important work. Um, introdu introducing the Summa and showing its um, coherence and uh, how its parts relate. Um, his work on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that's translated. Uh, it's really, really good fundamental work in, um, in the Thomistic view of the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Um, his material and formal logic are translated, which he, uh, he had a very... He was a very good logician. Uh, he had a very important uh, role in uh, basically completing uh, Thomistic logic. Uh, his work hasn't been surpassed since. Uh, not even close. Uh, he's a very good logician. So yeah, those uh, those works. But uh, they they really, really, if you're if you're asking for introductory works, you should probably only stick with the Isagogy um, of of. John of St. Thomas. Um, yeah. Okay, synthetic meat, have the soy in the accidents of meat. <laughs> okay, so how does the Immaculate Conception affect the Blessed Virgin's relation to concupiscence? Did she lack the blameworthy worthy passions and experience the blameless ones like hunger? So uh, with Our Lady's relation to concupiscence, um, it was something which was completely uh, bound and extinguished. So uh, she did not have any sort of inordinate movements of her sensitive appetites, uh, which were not, well, any inordinate movements or any movements which were not uh, in control uh, and, and submitted to her reason. So she wouldn't become like inordinately hungry, but but she would still become hungry. Um, so that's the, but the the hunger would be something which would be in submission to her her reason. She'd be able to control. But yeah, yeah. It, it's um, it's a, uh, I think it's Catholic doctrine uh, when it comes to uh, the preternatural gifts, uh, especially the the freedom from concupiscence. The, the language that would be used is like uh, there was a lack of a certain vehemence that would that would basically strive against reason, that reason would have to conquer. Reason would not be a necessity of conquering it because the passions would be in submission to reason anyway. So there wouldn't be a certain vehemence that would war against the power of reason. But that doesn't. Like the idea of like blameworthy passions, if you're talking about like specific passions, like say, uh, like desire for the other sex or something, you cannot imagine Christ and Mary as these people who are like, you know, lacking in the natural passions that are involved in the like ordered composition and constitution of the human, of the human being, right? It's just that there were never any passions that would strive against reason that needed to be conquered or needed to be stifled. They would, they were simply under the power of reason. OK. 
Yeah, and somebody keeps asking about what I think about inspiring philosophy. I don't think much about inspiring philosophy. Yeah, as a Catholic, you shouldn't be taking his views because they're all uh, against Lateran for Trent, Florence, and Vatican I. He's, he claims that Christ lied. He claims that uh, he claims that they were pre-Adamite human beings, like rational human beings. Yeah. He claims he he claims uh, just lots of things you can't believe. So so you shouldn't be using him for like anti-atheist polemics or for like understanding scripture and theology in general. When you want to understand scripture, you have two thousand years of Catholic doctors to look at. There's no reason to go and look at inspiring philosophy. You're being silly if you're Catholic and you're doing that. Yeah, he. I've. I I don't watch much of his stuff, but I mean, people have sent stuff to me or like. Yeah, he he had this. I actually I did I did quote tweet him earlier this week. Um, let's see. Uh, I can't remember. I might not be able to find it. But yeah, I quote tweeted him. Uh, let me see. Um, oh yeah, one of my favorite quotes from Peter Lombard, wishing to dispute about God's depths, they have been overthrown into the depth. So true. That, yeah, that was so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and it didn't get much traction either. It only got like 15 likes. I was kind of sad. I thought that would be one of the like cool quotes that everybody's sharing. Because I really think it's a good quote. Um... Yeah, yeah. So he let me let me just share my screen real quick. Uh, this is like a this is such like a James White Boomer moment where you just like share your share your screen. Yeah. So he said uh, this is probably in reference to the Uganda debate thing, but he said you cannot make the gospel a political message. The gospel is about transforming hearts. You cannot do this through politics or passing laws. But yeah, um, that, that's kind of a ridiculous uh, sort of point because. The law is meant to restrain the, the hearts of wicked men. Okay, so stop worshiping Mary, 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 stop worshiping Mary. No. But um Yeah, it's that's a ridiculous point because the the gospel, yes, is about um transforming hearts, but the law is about restraining uh certain evils. And actually, good laws, uh, by restraining evils, do dispose people to receiving the gospel. So it's just, it's it's really um, unfortunate that people just, like, think about stuff like that and just, like, soy jack over it. Does anybody actually believe in, in Jesus mythicism? I only believe in Muhammad mythicism. Uh, you should talk to Hassan about this. No, you shouldn't. Hassan, Hassan doesn't <laughs> no. exist. Hassan, yeah. Hassan, is Hassan doesn't exist. Hassan made up Muhammad's existence. <laughs> Wait, so, so if Muhammad didn't exist, that means Hassan doesn't exist. So I'm just going to like vanish out of existence. <laughs> <laughs> my, my face when I debunk Muhammad's existence and Hassan disappears. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, you're so. Is he a direct ancestor of yours or indirect? I couldn't remember. Um, 
Uh, I'm not the eldest son all the way up, no. Oh, okay, yeah, because it was like through a sibling or like nephew or niece or something like that. Well, nephew or niece. No, or niece. it was it was it's through male ancestors, but not necessarily. I'm not like the eldest son, the eldest son, the eldest son. Oh, I I just no no. I mean like just generally like he was one of your ancestors. I mean, I guess it's kind of necessary that it would be one of your ancestors through one of your lines, like whether yeah. through male or it's female it's lineage. Patrilineal, but yeah. Hassan trying to compute the fact that when we mean ancestors, we don't mean male. <laughs> the male line. You're like, wait, your mom, your your grandma is your ancestor. What do you mean, bro? No, that's an ancestress. You're wrong. <sighs> you failed. <laughs> okay, so isn't human a genus rather than a particular no. natural species? The Novians and Neanderthals no. are human, right? Yeah. No. So, what makes what makes a certain uh, species is the fact that it has a uh, particular it has a particular accident called a proper accident, which distinguishes it from the rest of the species, and which is the root of all of its um, all of its distinguishing qualities, and that uh, proper accident. Um, corresponds to the it's a it's a perfecting of the genus and it's found in its form so the form of the human soul uh is the is the housing of rationality so um you you can't have uh you can't have distinct human species um in the in the philosophical sense or else you would have to have like some sort basically we wouldn't Humans wouldn't be rational animals. Humans would be something else. Yeah, our, our essence would be distinct from exactly. You can't you can't define human beings simply by like genetic similarity. It's weird. Like hum, human being is a is rational animality. That's it. And we don't we don't even affirm that God couldn't have made rational animals with other bodies in a different line of descent than ours. We just say that it didn't happen, right? Like, there could have been another Adam, but for dolphins or something. There just isn't, right? That's so, so it's, it's not like, it's not like rational animals can only look like us, period. That's silly. Uh, it's just that that's the case in reality. So, to say that human is defined by this particular gene pool necessarily is not true. That's contingently true. Yeah. Neanderthals, Neanderthals are just human, right? Or do you think they're like some sort of well, non-rational? So, so, so you could say that, but because we don't, I, I'm not going to say exactly when Adam and Eve lived. And there are obviously different views on, on like, you know, the, if transformism of the body is true, there have to be some kind of pre-Adamite non-rational animals, right? We don't, and we don't know what those were or what time Adam and Eve would have lived and separated off from this population. So maybe they lived before the Denisovans and Neanderthals split off from the common ancestors of Homo sapiens sapiens, or maybe it was later. But in any case, you have Adam and Eve and they are one couple who are rational animals. And then you have the rest of Homo sapiens sapiens who are, uh, who are, um, uh, you've got the rest of Homo sapiens sapiens, and they're not rational. And then you have Homo sapiens denisovensis, and they're not rational. Homo sapiens neanderthalensis, who are not rational. But then it could be that 
Homo sapiens sapiens through uh, illicit interbreeding with the irrational animals would have spread the baton of reason, so to speak, onwards through these these uh, like to other lines. But we don't know. That's one theory, right? It could just be that Adam and Eve were at the beginning of all of this and there was no interbreeding. But since we have evidence that we have like Neanderthal DNA and Denisovan DNA, maybe Adam and Eve lived much further back in time, or maybe something like Gideon's view is correct, uh, Byzantine Scotus' view is correct, and our timelines are all wrong. And actually, the this is all much more compressed than time. This this whole series of events. Who knows? Yeah, so so this question: the scientists have no legitimate way of distinguishing a species from another. What you have to realize is biology isn't a science. And uh, what I mean by that is biology does not explain things by their proper and necessary causes. So really the only sciences are theology and philosophy and the species of philosophy um, and the integral parts of theology. Uh, rather, science is really some sort of dialectical um, collection of uh, inductive uh, conclusions. So science can give certain attributes uh, or certain uh, collections of notes uh, for a certain species. But science can't distinguish genus from species. That's not the role of the scientist. Uh, they can't do it. Um, the rather, uh, because they're merely sort of like inductive collections, they, uh, they, 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 can't do, um, they can't do that. So, yeah, that's something really important for people to recognize that science isn't a science. Uh, only philosophy is a science. Okay, so uh, Connor, hello, Connor. Um, stop spreading false doctrine. You're gonna send people to hell. Well, one, your your is wrong. Um, I'm reporting you. So your anime profile picture is mad at me. So he's gonna get my YouTube channel taken down. Uh, and then have fun in hell. Uh, but nobody has fun in hell. Uh, it's a very non-fun place, dude. Well, if you don't repent, you're okay. Thank you for using the proper "your." You're gonna be sent to the pits of fire. Repent of what? Uh, I I agree. If I don't repent, I'm gonna be sent to the pits of fire. That's true. I think he's he's one of the reformed guys who's who's formed a troop who to uh, come and harass the stream. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, none of these guys will just like talk to me. You know. Yeah, like I'm not. I'm not just like debate me, bro. Debate me, bro. Like I've had. I've had reformed. You know, it will, Connor. It will be uh, very. You'll be very happy to hear that I have caused multiple people within the reformed scholastic movement to become Catholics, and I will continue doing that. So, like, if you want to talk to me, like that'd be great. But it's. Uh, just is what it is a lot of you guys are very um spiritually and psychologically disturbed uh so yo it's kayak kayak only appeared when the anime discourse began that's, that's true that's true <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch baseball. Yo, is that anarchism? New knowledge? What in the... So based. 
abridged version or of what? I have no idea what's going on. He's, he's talking about he's talking about like Dragon Ball. Oh, yeah. sorry, Connor. I'm gonna have to ban you and delete your comments. I already sorry, did man. that. Oh, you already did. Yeah. I'm just gonna start doing this on uh, like on site from now. There's no point in dealing with this repeatedly. To be honest. So, how did you break it to your Protestant friends when you came out? <laughs> Came out. <laughs> Bro, please, please, uh, please <laughs> phrase this differently. When I when I came out as Catholic, you came uh, out of the closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine yeah, if Canute yeah, yeah. were here. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, would be so of, over. All, all of all of the reform people watching are probably laughing, uh, laughing really hard. Um, so how did they respond? Um, some of them were were upset. They were really upset, and I, I get why they were upset. Um, I probably would have been upset myself uh, if I was reformed and I had somebody who I uh, respected and was friends with who did this. Yeah, they were they were uh, pretty shocked um, because I was pretty certain that I wasn't going to convert uh, when I did. Um, so yeah, that's the that's that's about it. I'm not kayaked. Me knows not whom's that is. So new movie about Padre Pio. Is it cringe? I don't know. I'm going to watch it. Uh, I just haven't. Uh, I haven't been able to find where I could watch it. So if anybody knows where I could watch that. I don't really want to watch it because I've been told that he, he commits like a bunch of objective mortal sins in, in the movie. And I don't really want to do that. Okay. So that. how about chick tracks, but it's Catholic instead of Baptist Fundy? Would that be a good idea? Maybe assuming assume a question on each tract. What do you think about that, Hassan? Uh, no comment. I'm not, I'm really not a fan of that, of pop apologetics or like cartoonish representation. Amazon prime. Oh, really? I didn't know it was Amazon prime. The Padre Pio movie was pornographic blasphemy. That's terrible. Oh, that's terrible. Okay, maybe I won't watch it then. I didn't know it was Our Lady. I thought it was just a random um, person. I'm glad Connor came in to tell us to repent. <laughs> we need to, I need to remember this. Episode. So true, King. So true. Okay, so. I wonder if it's getting, like, debunked um, in the reviews. Let me check the reviews. Oh, there isn't any reviews. Yeah, I know. Uh, because at first I thought the whole like Padre Pia movie hate stuff was a meme. Um, um, because like it basically the only thing was like Michael Lofton like Padre Pio says bad word sort of thing and I was like okay like you know if Padre Pio says a bad word I'll still watch it I won't like it but I'll still watch it um but yeah the pornographic blasphemy is uh something else kayak I need a good book on English grammar. Yeah, I actually uh, English grammar for Catholic schools. That's actually what I read for grammar. Okay, 
I, I'm sorry, religiosity stuff. I have no idea how best to refute Baptist funding nonsense that Jesuits have a fifth valve, swearing they will attack the church and infiltrate Protestant communities. I, I, I have no idea, man. Uh, have you done or will you do a video on Reformed Ecclesiology? I don't know. I don't. I don't really do explicitly polemical videos against Reformed. I mean, it's usually just occasional, or I'll get questions or, or whatever. I don't really like. One one day, I'm going to do an examination of the examination of the Council of Trent. I've I found Chemnitz to be quite weak, actually. Now looking back, I, I used to think he was quite strong, um, but now but that I've been exposed, like, you told me about like a whole bunch of volumes written against him that just never got replied to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was by uh, Andreas. Yeah, Andreas wrote like 10 volumes against the examination. And then Lutherans are just like, actually, uh, the, the, the examination never got responded to. And it's like, no, they responded to it <laughs> in great detail. Yeah. But yeah, um, I, I do think like basically reading um, Franzlin, because Franzlin was more responding to Gearhard. Um, but Franzlin was a was a cardinal in the 19th century who was uh, a really intense scholastic, very good patrologist, probably one of the best patrologists the church has ever produced. Um, but he responded in very uh, great detail to a lot of the objections from the Reformed and Lutheran scholastics. And yeah, I, I, I really think that there's nothing there uh, of of importance. Wait, what? Please make a four-hour Contra Keegan stream. I will become Patreon if you make that stream. I will come on. Link. What is what is Key Keegan? What is Keegan? Keegan Keegan is the guy who uh, who um, became reformed recently, uh, no, and all the people who've been coming into the chat are probably his new friends. Dude, I think he's like. I don't. Can we I don't not talk about this in public. Yeah. Someone's yeah, yeah, personal sorry. spiritual problems. Yeah. 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 Him. Sorry. Yeah. I, I was just saying I'm not gonna like uh, do something like that. Yeah. Um, okay, let me see. Okay, so what's my favorite baseball team? I don't watch baseball. Have you read Euclid's Elements? Uh, Some, not all. Good. I caught up on those. <laughs> Christian and Hassan are rulers of Anglo-America. They can't recognize this or they'll get a big head. Dude, uh, actually, remember the coronation with Charles? They, they actually misspelled the name. They meant uh, Sayyid Hassan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the first, uh, the first Arab king of... Uh, first, dude, the Arab king of, of the UK? Yes, oh. please. Yes, please. That's Just the dream. Stop. stop. That's, That's dream. so cursed. That's cursed. That's extremely cursed. Is uh <laughs> is Hounds of Justice Hounds of Heaven? No, I don't think he is. No, someone else. Is it true that um 15 minutes daily of prayer is the bare minimum requirement for human beings giving their due to God? Um, I mean that's just like spiritual writers will speak like that, but they don't mean it like properly and formally, uh like that somehow there's something special about like the time of 15 minutes. Uh 
what what they really mean uh, usually usually a quarter hour of mental prayer is the minimum that's um requested so yeah they, they they don't mean like if you do 14 minutes and 30 seconds that you're all of a sudden like gonna be damned and you didn't do and, and you like didn't properly like give justice unto god um but yeah that that's just a good rule of thumb and practically you should uh, you should act like that true 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 you see this Hassan? true Uh, that's definitely Neophytus. That's definitely Neophytus. Only he would say something like this. No way it's not. Hassan and Wagner are like French toast and peanut butter. I don't know if that's a uh, compliment or not. Introductory work on rhetoric. I would um, never put Father, peanut Father, butter on French toast. That's disgusting. I, Charles Copeland has a work on rhetoric. It's is it called rhetoric or yeah, practical introduction to English rhetoric. Rhetoric. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't care about your your vain sophistry though. Why doesn't why it's I find it very interesting that that's like you know St. Thomas refused to commentate on that book. Maybe that was like a homage to St. Augustine saying rhetoric is fake and gay. It's true, but there is there is a it sort is, of fakeness and gayness true. to rhetoric. It is true. Yeah, when when he does cite rhetoric, it's always for like ulterior uh, reasons. Look, rhetoric rhetoric only has its place for like moral exhortation. It should not be used in like proper argumentation. I don't I don't like I don't like it when like arguments are very rhetorically heavy. But the thing is that human beings naturally employ rhetoric when we when we argue, right? You have to manually yeah. cut it out, and it's not that easy. But the thing is the the thing is that like. I, I uh, I've noticed a lot of the time, especially in like pop apologetics and like Discord apologetics, often people are extremely heavy on rhetoric to the point when that is what they are using to convince, and not what they are using to elicit, and not what they're using to elicit certain affections for exhortation. Exhortation is different to trying to intellectually convince someone. It's it's dishonest if you're trying to use it for that. Come on, kayak. That Bro book is hilarious. Don't, okay, guys, don't read. Don't read it. Don't read. It. I'm taking don't it off. Read don't, it. Read it. don't read it. Don't read it. Don't read it. It's hilarious, but don't read it. <laughs> only, only if you take the book ironically is it funny. If you take it unironically, um, you can actually do some like very serious damage. Um, it'd be like a grade A sophist. Yeah, most of Aristotle's works are just boring. Aristotle. Aristotle's boring, guys. He just is. It he is really weird. is. Just <laughs> he really is. Just read the medieval <laughs> commentators, bro. Don't read this like dribble. <laughs> Hassan, <laughs> say Hassan. Aristotle is an idiot. <laughs> Have you seen how the fathers talk about Aristotle and Plato? It's so funny. It is funny, but it's like it's true that like. His works are. I mean, like I, I, I do read Aristotle. So, um, I'm reading. I'm reading through uh, about halfway through Prior Analytics right now. Um. So, I I do read him, but very begrudgingly, just because I know I need to be familiar with him. 
Uh, it's only it's only out it's only out of like grave necessity that I read Aristotle. Like for me, it's like eating Brussels sprouts. You know, they're disgusting and they don't even provide much nutrition for you. But you kind of got to do it to make your grandma happy. See Daisy. Okay, I have to go in a few minutes. Are there going to be any uh, good questions before I leave? Anarchism asked the question. Okay, so are there any good non-Catholic theologians that are worth reading? Um, no, you shouldn't be. Allama Sayyid Allama Tabatabai. As Astro will probably agree. Are you serious? <laughs> You're trying to convert people to Shiism. <laughs> nobody, yeah. nobody is going to convert because they know the problems with what he... Uh, if anybody here yeah. is serious enough to end up reading him, they'll know what his problems are. <clears throat> okay. Okay. If five priests can't celebrate a mass, is it worth more than five individual masses they could have said? I don't know. It depends. Because it, it depends upon it depends upon like whether or not it contributes to the to the efficacy that is that, that comes from the intention, the well intentioned uh, praise of the priest. So it's it, it it's it's silly to say that like, you know, it's it's not helpful or that it's I, I don't think we should say, oh, it's definitely better to have five masses or it's definitely better to have five concelebrating or whatever. It's, who knows? Let let priests let priests do what's licit unless there's something definitive about it or at least some kind of teaching saying what's better. Thoughts on lignets? I don't have any. Head empty. Go sleep now. Capital punishment or corporal punishment? Corporal punishment. For what? Um, the fact that you spoke, you spoke Arabic on stream. So. Oh dear, I I didn't. I said someone's name. That's not very nice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the 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 secret militant Thomist uh, UK division just burst into Hassan's room and starts beating the crap out of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, New Fighters is going to turn up at 3 a.m. outside my house. The God Delusion is pretty funny from what I've read. Oh, man. Don't don't read The God Delusion. I can could, I could absolutely see, unfortunately, like half of you watching right now reading The God Delusion and being convinced. Probably more than half, Hassan. What do you think? Oh, is Pascal worth reading? Uh, actually, yes. Actually, yes. You know who really loved Pascal? Never believe it. A fellow Frenchman. Was he a Thomist? Yes. Oh, uh, Billard? No, Garrigou Lagrange loved Pascal. Like, oh. Garrigou Lagrange hated everyone, but apparently he loved Pascal. He <laughs> <laughs> like, quotes him all the time. He just thinks he's like he, he just thinks he's like absolutely like brilliant, and he's just like Pascal says that like if you read through De Revelazione, <laughs> let me check right now. Actually, I have a digital version of De Revelazione. See how many times he quotes Pascal. 
Uh, he quotes him all the time, uh, especially in his devotional works. He thinks Pascal is like a devotional master. Pascal is quoted positively by the Magisterium quite a few times. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, let me look at volume one. Uh, our scholar, Pascal. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He calls him like an extraordinary genius. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, that's volume one, ten times in volume one. Okay, let's check volume two. Just like really into Pascal for some reason. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times in volume two, too. No, 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 more than that. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 times in volume two. Dang. It's quoting him like 30 times in this book. Shut up, Hassan. Uh, yeah, he just goes on and on about Pascal's apologetic. Let me see. I have another book of him. Maybe in who, who? Garrigan the Grunge? Yeah, he just goes on and on about how much he loves Pascal. He like defends him from the Jansenists and stuff. Look in okay, another book, Providence. He quotes Pascal six times. Okay, let's look in predestination. I'm looking at all the digital books I have for all the times. Okay, Pascal in predestination. He doesn't quote him in predestination though. Dang. Yeah, I guess more so his uh, devotional works. Do I have three ages on here? I, think I do. Okay. Okay, three ages. Volume one. Let's see. Only quotes him once in volume one. Volume two. Quotes him once in volume two. Oh, that's a lot less than I thought. Dawkins. Wait, wait, wait. Does Dawkins refute Aquinas' five proofs? Oh, my. No, he doesn't. Just ridiculous. Wait, wait. Does, does he try to is what I meant? He mentions them, and he's he gives, like, the most stupid responses ever. He attempts to. Oh, my. It's like one of G. Dyer's critiques. If, if God is... If God created everything and everything has a cause, who caused God to exist? Oh my. Well, that's because you have these like, <laughs> this good is delusion. Okay. Okay. To be fair with your profile picture, Kano would probably be mean enough to say something like that in his writings. Kano was a mean guy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> the Scotus delusion. The Scotus delusion. No, you, you, Mr. Ronner, you cannot read uh, Alphonsus right off the bat with a lot of prior reading, without a lot of prior reading. Yeah, and you, and if you do read it, don't read it encyclopedically. I've recently come across, we recently come across a problem with people who, uh, because they've been introduced to the existence of moral theology manuals, now they're treating them as encyclopedias to quote tweet to quote text from. As yeah. if to quote mine from, as if they're like writing some positive theology compilation against the EOs on like the video. Or they something. Think, yeah, they think that they can do that on, on moral theology. When, you, when you're reading moral theology, you have to carefully read the first couple of volumes to get a grasp of 
how your author looks at the principles and uses them. Uh, so, for example, uh, if, you, if you're reading something about something that isn't per se sinful, but is often sinful because of circumstances and the weakness of the human passions, then you're going to have to look at the, how they treat on custom, how they're going to treat on near occasion of sin, how they're going to treat on conscience, many different things. You can't, you can't just, you can't just like jump straight into what their sentences are about things because you need to understand what they mean by their sentences. You need to understand their principles. And this is something that's getting ignored very recently by certain people in our kind of spheres. Dude, that's funny. Uh, St. John Paul II mentions uh, Pascal, and apparently he used to say Psalm 119, well, 118. He used to say Psalm 118. It's really 119. Psalm 118 every single day. Yeah, so whoever was asking, they can't go to uh, confession. Um, my parents don't let me since they're Protestant. Um, yeah, act of perfect contrition. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're so if you're received into the church, which since your parents are Protestant, I'm assuming you're not too, you're not. But if you happen to be received into the church, um, really, you should just find anybody you're you're able to that are in orders. Um since this would constitute a uh, a grave uh, moral impediment. What about the God chastisement? What is the God chastisement? <laughs> Dawkins based his refutations on Suarez. So true. Yeah. So true. <laughs> the Scotus and the Suarezians uh, seething. Uh, Richard Dawkins is the is the inheritor of the Suarezians. <laughs> real. Bruh, Jay Dyer is better than these people. Is St. Alphonsus second in intellectual power to St. Thomas need help? I don't know, bro. Why don't you ask him? It's such a weird thing to ask. <laughs> uh, to argue against the Immaculate Conception, some point to fathers who seem to portray Mary as not having her passions bound by her reason in opposition to Christ who did. I saw. I only saw the answer now to my other question now. I think that's fake. What books do I need to read before De Revelazione? Um, a good book is Father Duranzo. Um, what is what is actually the title of that book? I was looking at it earlier. Uh... Yeah, I think it's like Introduction to the, the Science of Sacred Theology. Yeah, read Duranzo's The Science of Sacred Theology. That should provide a good intro. And he has like um, appendices and such at the end of each chapter which are really helpful for like looking up terms that you're not familiar with um he, he tries to make it as like accessible as possible for people who don't understand the lingo so there's like a glossary yeah. of terms at the end of each section yeah read dr matthew minard's uh translation it was uh published in 2022 
by Aruka Press. Look for that one. Yeah, it's in two volumes. Is it in two volumes? I yeah. have it in one volume. I have it in one volume. Yeah. Aren't you talking about the revelation? Oh, you're no. talking. Oh no, no, no. no, no. We're no. talking about a different we're, work we, than we, he, He's oh, okay. asking what to read before that, and we're recommending. Oh, before that. that. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Yeah. I know. I was about to say like two volumes. Yeah, Miner translated right there. Miner is like a beast. He's translating all these like yeah. Really he's extremely based. Text. Yeah. Yeah. If any of you are like extremely wealthy, like he has, I think he has a Patreon. Um, like that—that's a good place if you have. Yeah, if you just look up Matthew Miner Patreon, he has a Patreon. Um. He does some really good work if you ever wanted to find a good place to to donate to. Um, is sexual intercourse with women that can't have children unlawful since it's not open to life? No, it still is open to life. Yeah, because so so here's the thing. The if you intentionally marry a woman because she's infertile and so you're not gonna be able to have children with her. And you and, and you're doing it because you don't want to have children with it. That's that. Then that's wrong. But if you are, um, if you marry somebody and she's infertile, or you find out she's infertile later, and so on, um, the obligation for it to be open to life is simply that you do not do one of two things. We talked about this on a stream, Christian and I recently on Settlers Laments stream uh, on contraception. Um, there are two different contraceptive sins. The first is that uh, you do something which damages temporarily or permanently the, the sexual physicality of your own body or the other person's. And this would be something like a vasectomy, or which is supposed to be permanent, or uh, taking birth control pills. And then there's the second, which is an attack upon the, the, uh, the material intactness of the act. And that would be something like coitus interruptus or the use of condoms or something like that. So these two actions are what are what we call closing the act off to life. Simply doing the act with a wife who can do the act but is, uh, but is unable to conceive is not, uh, is not simple. This is why like even St. Alphonsus Liguori, who people are going to think is an extreme like rigorous position on like the procreative end of, of sex, he's still going to say that it, it can be licit to sleep with a pregnant wife, for example. Interesting. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, I guess I guess I'll answer this last one. Okay. So, how do I get over lustful sin? Any advice? I'm struggling badly. Okay, so there's going to be both internal and then external means uh, to overcoming uh, these vices. When it comes to a lot of people. Uh, merely try to focus on internal means, which would be, uh, which, which isn't exactly terrible, frequent confession, prayer, um, the use of the sacraments uh, after, um, 
after your confession, obviously, uh, in such um, devotional uh, spiritual practices. But there's also like external means that a lot of people think are mechanical, but they actually just uh, they just work. Uh, so this would be like um, it could be anything from harsher penances, uh, trying to discipline your appetites in different ways, like discipline your appetite before food uh, when it comes to food or when it comes to uh, certain other enjoyments, like even like something like sleeping on a soft bed, uh, uh, sleeping on the floor uh, is something helpful. And then also just like mechanically. Uh, or, or like something as simple as when when a thought like that comes up, holding your breath for like 15, 20 seconds, like even something like that would be considered in this uh, area. But there's also just the um, avoidance of any sort of occasion uh, for this uh, sim. So if it's like if it's bad enough, um, like. I don't know, like shoot your phone. Uh, not literally, um, but if it's if it's bad enough and somehow the Internet becomes a, an occasion for you, um, you might want to just like literally rid yourself um, of it. And then like if you're if you're talking about certain uh, imp that you frequently consent to impure thoughts um, while like walking around in public, do just like look at the ground while you walk around. Like they're they're like even like very like strictly mechanical things like that. Uh, as external means uh, are helpful. Um, but yeah, there, you need to make sure that you um, are reliant on every single aspect of the ability to stop these vices. And you don't only focus on like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to like make sure I pray enough. Um, if you're not avoiding occasions and you're not um, disciplining your appetites then you're going to have a really hard time, uh, even if you, um, even if you try certain internal uh, means. So yeah, that's basically uh, how I would generally go about um, this. But yeah, it's it's just it's difficult. It's going to take a lot of work, um, but you just need to persevere and uh, always consider. Uh, Saint Thomas frequently says, um, really that which is first in intention is last in execution. So basically the principle that we can take from that is to frequently think of your final end. The fact that, um, think, think of like the four last things. Um, think about the fact that you're going to die, you're going to be judged, and um, you're either going to go to hell or heaven. And putting that uh, final end before your eyes very frequently uh, throughout the day and considering that end is going to change the way in which you uh, do everything, uh, really. Like everything from um, the enjoyment you take in like eating, I don't know, eating a donut or something. That, that's that's going to be viewed in a, in a spiritual life, a uh, spiritual light, uh, rather. So keep that before your eyes and then frequently um, keep before your eyes the crucified Lord. Um, and the call, the universal call uh, to take up your cross and to uh, follow him and to be faithful and to go through suffering um, for his sake in imitation of him. And the fact that uh, the fact that in uh, in the acts in which you're doing that 
um, so great and glorious of a of, of a redemption uh, was wrought in order to bring you from that and bring you into the angelic life, the life of the angels on earth, one in which you have uh, extinguished your concupiscence. And, and th this is this is really possible. And I and I think a lot of people who are stuck in these um, these cycles of of sin and despair they 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 don't think it's possible, but it's possible uh, through um, through the grace and the means of grace which are provided by our Lord, the great gifts which have been given to His Church in the sacraments, in the liturgy, in prayer, um, in 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 the very many um, saints who have provided us with so many good spiritual readings is that in all of these things it's possible to become a saint and you have to you have to always remember that is uh you can't you can't just despair you can't presume you have to understand it's hard work but you can't despair and then finally uh i guess the the most important part of it is mental prayer um do not do not ignore mental prayer uh get i, I actually just got this and i started using this um for my mental prayer i was using something before um where is it? Oh, I can't find it. Did I bring it in the living room? Yeah, I think I, I think I did bring it into the living room. I want to mute yourself. Mute, mute myself? What yeah, do you mean? If you're, to, if you're talking to Alexi. No, I'm not talking to Alexi. Okay. I'm just looking for my... I think I left it in the living room. But yeah, um, St. Alphonsus's uh, meditations on death... Uh, those are those are very very good. Yeah, I think I left in the living room. But yeah, mental prayer, uh, very important. Uh, frequently engage in it if possible. Like, get yourself get yourself a crucifix. Uh, that that's that's a very um, very good practice is to contemplate the crucifix uh, while engaging in your meditations on death. It's a it's a very sort of chilling experience. Um, but yeah, I guess those are those are just my my general pieces of advice, uh, and I, I do have to go, unfortunately. So sorry for uh, not Same. being able to answer all of your uh, questions. So thank you all, and uh, as always, God bless.